It is time for today's AM Minnesota program. Here's News Director Gordy Kostfeld at the Hetry over in Waterville. That's right. It took me less than a half hour to get here to the hatchery in Waterville. And, of course, they're having an open house one week from today. I have Craig Sapir with me, Waterville Area Fisheries Supervisor. So that means he is in charge of the place. So i got to be on my best behavior, don't I? And sitting to his left across the table from me here, we're in the conference room, is Andrew Skolton. He is the hatchery lead Lead scientist in the hatchery. Is that the proper term there, Andrew? Fish hatchery lead, yeah. I, I just, uh, I'm in charge of all the production for um, the facility here at Waterville. So we, we raise northern pike, channel catfish, walleye, and muscalunge here at the facility. Aha. Uh-huh. How long have you been working here? I've been here since 2016. I came here originally from Iowa. Whereabouts in Iowa? Spear Lake, uh, Iowa, down in the northwest corner of Iowa. So I was worked at the fish hatchery there in Spear Lake for about 10 years before I moved here to Waterville to take over the lead position here at Waterville. And what brought you here? Was it a promotion or what? Correct. Yep, it was a promotion. Do you like it here? I do, yeah. There's a lot of opportunity here for, for fishermen, a lot of lakes in the area, Waterville area. Um Obviously, the Minnesota DNR is is a is a focal point here at the at the Waterville area office, and we do a lot with the the lakes in the area as far as management and and stocking. So, before you applied for the position, were you aware of Waterville, Minnesota's existence? I actually was. Uh, I came up here one time before when I worked in Iowa to pick up fish, so I was aware of the existence and had been to this facility one time previous to to. Uh, taking this position. Andrew and I have a bit of a connection. I worked in Ottumwa, Iowa for a few years. Yep, been down to Ottumwa. It's an interesting area of Iowa. Yep. It's in the far southeastern corner of the state. Correct. Not far from the Missouri border. In fact, you could drive to Kirksville in probably 15 minutes. Sure. Maybe 20. Yeah, I've only been there a few times, but yeah, Ottumwa is... Uh, Good old river town, so. Yep, and when people think of Iowa, they don't think of fishing, but there's some pretty good fishing in Iowa, right? Oh, yeah. Iowa's got the same species that Minnesota has, just in smaller numbers. Right. Now, Dan tells me, Craig, that for the first time in 31 years, you guys have been doing some work in Cannon. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Um, we got this unique strain that we've realized that we have in southern Minnesota. Um, starting about 2015, we discovered it, and uh, we've done some research on this unique strain of walleye uh, called the Lower Mississippi River strain and realized that uh, when you stock it right next to, um, you know, fry that we get from northern egg take stations in the upper Mississippi River watershed, that... Uh, the lower Mississippi River watershed strain is performing better. So um, that means we've been, you know, kind of changing our game plan and rethinking things that we've done in the past. Um, we we used to take eggs here at the Canna River egg trap uh, back in, you know, up till about 1992 for about a 10-year period. And um, we did it again this year. Um, it was kind of a trial year for us. We did some electrofishing in the river and um, captured the adults, brought them back to the hatchery and, you know, stripped the eggs and uh, mixed them up with the milk from the males and fertilized them. And we got them incubating downstairs right now in the jars. 
And then you're going to keep tracking them? We're going to keep tracking those. Um, we have a lot to learn yet from this. This really, it's, you know, learning as we go um, with this unique strain that we're finding. Um, we, we, we plan on potentially putting in a, a more permanent egg take trap, which would be a docking system with a netting trap um, so we can catch fish more efficiently next year. Uh, so, yeah, we, we're planning on keep doing it as long as we can continue to get fish. And like I said, 31 years since we've done this, and it's, um, you know, I feel like we're going back to back to square one, but um, it's, it's for a good reason. Were you surprised to find out? The difference in the strains? I think everybody was shocked, to be quite honest. Um, it was a shocking discovery. Um, we have Lake Sarah over by Slayton. Uh, that has a lake that was stocked last in the early 1990s um, and then became a self-sustaining population of these, you know, really beautiful walleye. And uh, n- nobody really knew why, so we started looking into it. And like I said, in 2015, we discovered, hey, this thing's unique. Started digging a little bit further and looking under the surface and find out that um, it very likely started from the Cannon River right here at Lake Tatanka when we ran that egg trap back in 1980s and 1992. So, you know, fish got, eggs got brought back here from that trap back then. Um, they were incubated and they were shipped over to Lake Sarah's Fry and they took off. So our goal now really is to try to do that in more places. I was going to say, you haven't had to, to do any stocking there, I think you said, since the early 90s, right? That's correct. They haven't stocked it at all, and that is very unheard of for southern Minnesota to have a population that strong that's not based on stocking. So that's why we looked into it, and that's you know that's what triggered really all this to come down the pipe. And that's the goal. Yeah. In the future. Yeah, I mean, that, that is the goal because it makes, you know, Andrew and my job a lot easier and it costs a lot less when you can let nature do its thing. So that is the goal. Now, realistically, we, we may not be able to sustain recreational level fisheries by not having some supplemental stocking. So we're always going to have to have a hatchery. We're always going to have to do stocking. We're likely always going to have to be raising these lower Mississippi River walleye, even when they do naturally produce. But Plus, you can continue your research. But And we continue our research. And the, the key is, is that if we could introduce this to places that we haven't, um, maybe more like Cirrus could happen. And that's kind of where we're at. All right. It's a perfect time for me to take a break. Jerry's chomping at the bit to find out what the markets are doing. We'll come back. I'm going to try and find out why we haven't had the, not that it's necessarily a bad thing, but the fish kill that we probably thought we'd have after the nasty winter we had. When we come back, take it away, Jerry. The market update is being sponsored by the KDHL Agri Boosters. They include Craig Keller at the Keller Insurance Agency in Nearstrand. Craig helped protect all things important to you. Also, insulation services. There are many advantages of spray foam or blown in insulation. Find out, give Nate a call, 507 993 4570, or online at insulation services, Inc. And Northern Buildings for quality post frame construction. Go to their website, northernbuildings.com. Cattle are mostly higher, hogs, corn, and soybeans are lower. I'm John Perkins with a Brownfield Market Update. With Stein, growers have access to decades of knowledge from the experts who will ensure you get the yield benefits their products can bring. Stein, dedicated to yield, committed to you. Soybeans are down on profit-taking. Near-term planning weather looks generally favorable in most of the Midwest and Plains. The broader market's mostly bearish so far today on concerns about global and domestic economic health. 
July beans are down 10 and a half at 14.07. August is 11 and a half lower at 13.50 and a quarter. July bean meals down $6.30 at 4.1860. July bean oils up 12 points at 52.76. Corn's lower. Most forecasts have good planning weather and much of the Corn Belt into mid-month. Export sales are marketing your low following cancellations by China and unknown. July was down, is down six and a quarter at 582 and a quarter and September's four and a quarter lower at 527 and a half. And wheat's mostly lower. Any rain in the southern plains is too late to help out with a major crop tour starting on the 15th. Exports might not meet USDA's projection with less than a month left in the marketing year. July Chicago's down three at 636 and three quarters. Heavily oversold, July cotton's up 278 at 81.54. December's 233 higher at 81.37. Adjusting spreads, July rice is up a half a penny at 17.93. September's down two and a half at 15.40 and a half. Live and feeder cattle are uh, consolidating, waiting to see how much direct trades left to be done. Probably not a whole lot. June lives up 37 at 162.02, and August is 37 higher at 159.92. May feeders are up 47 at 203.90. August is down 15 at 223.37. And with yesterday's lower close in pork, June hogs are down 22 at 87.77. July leans 42 lower at 88.90. John Perkins. Brownfield Market Update. AM Minnesota on the Mighty 920 KDHL. The Market Update also sponsored by these KDHL Agra Boosters. Matt's Roofing, specializing in any shingling project, plus farm buildings and residential roofing. Over 100 years combined experience. No payments until completely satisfied. Give Troy Matt's a call, 507-838-2254. And Krennic Stump Grinding in Faribault. If you don't want to mow around those stumps in your lawn all summer long, give Chris Krennic a call, 507-491-2948 or online at KrennicStumpGrinding.com. That's K-R-E-N-I-K. Let's continue with today's AM Minnesota program. Back to Gordy Cosfeld over at the Hatchery in Waterville. That's right, Jerry. We are at the Hatchery in Waterville. We're sitting in, well, the upper-level conference room here at the Hatchery, and we have Craig Sapir with us. He is the Waterville Area Fisheries Supervisor, and also Andrew Skolton, who is a Hatchery lead and an Iowa native. Craig, where did you grow up? I grew up in southwestern Minnesota. Um, over, I'm from Milroy, technically. Oh, okay. Uh, Tracy Milroy Panther. Oh, man, they had some yeah, good volleyball they did. Some good girls. Sports for sure, um, but I grew up um, by Millerai there and uh, on a farm. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm from. How'd you get your love of fishing? There's not a ton of fishing in Southwest Minnesota. I grew up fishing with a cane pole uh, for bullheads, and um, we'd my, I'd fish with my grandpa, my dad too, and my family. But I'm um, really with my grandpa fishing bullheads and you know fishing for bluegills, and we'd go on vacation every year. Um, so that's kind of where my love came from. We'd travel an hour away to go bullhead fishing. That's diehard. So you'd come to Waterville. Not to Waterville. We should have because it's the bullhead capital of Minnesota. That's but right. We, we didn't come quite this far. No, I grew up. I mean, I didn't grow up. I was born in the turkey capital of the world in Worthington, Minnesota. Nice. We, we grew up pretty close together then. So, yeah, that is a couple of years old when we moved to Spring Valley in southeast Minnesota. So I really don't remember a lot about Worthington, to be quite honest. So, Craig, next week, one week from today, you're having an open house right here. Yep, open house um, Thursday, May 11th from 1 to 3. Um, we invite everybody to come on out and check out what we have here at the hatchery, um, talk to staff, 
Um, we'll have some walleye eggs incubating on the jar rack and hopefully some fry that are hatching off and um, in the fry tank. And um, um, we have some musky eggs, too, maybe coming this week. So we'll have a couple different species downstairs to see. And then just kind of generally just to see what we do and really to talk to us. We'll have a couple of the kids' events. And um, so it's, it's usually a good time. We had quite a few people come up for the uh, Governor's Fiction Opener we, Open House we had held here in 2019. So, um, yeah, we, we hope everybody can make it. I know it's during the day it's hard, but, you know, I guess um, I don't have authority, but I'll give all you you know, permission to take your kids out of school to come here for this educational event at Waterville. Do you get a lot of schools out here? We do. We have bus tours that come in, uh, school groups. Um, we usually have to set those up in advance when we have, <clears throat> excuse me, larger groups. But uh, we do probably, you know, half dozen school bus groups and then a whole lot of other tours each each spring. And do you enjoy educating the kids about all this, or would you rather just do the nitty-gritty work? No, I think educating the kids is, is a lot of fun. Um, and, and to Craig's point about uh, having the open house during 1 to 3, you know, if you want to schedule a tour outside those hours, you're more than welcome to come on down. Um, kids get out of school, and you want to call up the facility and see if anybody's around. Typically, I'm around, so I'll gladly take take people on a tour to see see what's going on here we'll have some walleye hatching like craig said for sure so that's always neat for the kids to see and we have roughly right now on the walleye battery downstairs i think we have about we have about 25 million walleye eggs so a lot of a lot of fry will be hatching here in the next few days ah is that a fun time for you it is yep it's a it's a fun time it's also a very busy time so what are you anticipating that'll be here next week for people to see virtually everything you have yeah, we'll have we'll have walleye fry hatching. Um, we'll have eggs on the battery. We'll have musky eggs. They won't be hatching at that point, but we'll have them on the battery so we can show them the difference between the musky eggs and the walleye eggs. They do look a little different. The musky eggs are a little bit larger. Um, we'll have during the open house. We will have some fish in the tanks for people to see. So we'll have some adult fish in the in the tanks for people to look at and. We can identify those fish for people, or they can guess what the fish are, and we'll tell them if they're correct or not. Um, yeah, we'll have, there's going to be a bunch of different events going on during the open house. So. You probably have a lot of questions from the kids that, do they ever throw you off? Oh, yeah. Yeah, kids are smart. Sure. Yeah, they can they can come up with some interesting questions like, why do you do that or why do you do this? And, yeah, explaining that to them can be sometimes uh, challenging. So, yeah. Somebody keeps bothering me. <laughs> I'm hoping we're still on the air. It doesn't look like it's Jerry's number, so that's why I keep hanging up on whoever it is that keeps phoning in. Of course, that breaks your concentration. Oh, no, I'm fine. Yeah. As, as you would know, Andrew, <laughs> being the hatchery lead. So you were, uh, what were you doing when I was downstairs earlier? You were vacuuming up some dead eggs, right? Yeah, so when, when Gordy showed up, I was showing him the, the difference between the, a viable egg and an unfertilized egg. And, and obviously when we go to fertilize the, the eggs from the broodstock walleyes that we receive, um, some of those eggs don't get fertilized. So as we're incubating those eggs, we'll have to take the dead eggs out of the jar so that they don't um, attach to the good eggs and eventually they could... Um, challenge the hatch rate of the of the viable eggs so that's kind of a tedious job right yeah when you're talking 25 million eggs it's a lot of work yeah so uh, you know roughly a quarter 25 percent of those of those eggs will have to siphon out of the jars so how did you count the 25 million eggs uh, that's one, one of those yeah that's one of those questions that's tough to answer so um there's a the formula I'm guessing there is there's a formula out there based on based on the uh, volume of that egg 
um, you put the egg in a little trough and count out the egg over a smaller sample, and then you average that sample out, and then the number and that'll give you the number of eggs per quart, and then we're able to measure the number of quarts we have, and that gives us our estimates for the number of eggs we have. So again, the number you throw out is an estimate. It is an estimate, yeah. So the the current estimate on those eggs, they're about one hundred and fifty thousand eggs per quart. So and that we have roughly about one hundred and fifty quarts on the on the battery at this time. And because there are fewer musky, I'm guessing you have fewer musky eggs than you do. A lot fewer, yeah. We'll do probably, oh, about 500,000 musky eggs. So, And really about the only musky lake around here is French, right? French Lake is the only lake managed by our area office. There are some other, there are quite a few musky lakes in the metro area. Correct. That are managed, but yes, the only area, the only lake that's managed by our office is, is French Lake. How is that chosen? That was well before my time. Um, I think it was 70s. Yeah, 1975. Um, there has been, you know, talk about potentially adding new lakes from time to time. Um, nothing's, nothing's happened as of current. But, yeah, there's some other lakes that have been talked about over the years that could potentially be a lake that are managed for muskies. Sure. Craig, you have any idea why? Well, it's a, it's kind of there's several things um, has to do with lake size, um, the fitness for the lake. Um, does it winter kill? You don't obviously want to manage a trophy, you know, a trophy fishery in a lake that has potential winter kill. So there's a whole bunch of things that kind of go into it. Um, that was that was uh, see, I was born in '72, so that was three years after I was born that became a muskie management. Wow, well, I'm 51 now, so he was born in '72. Yeah. What I wouldn't give to be. <laughs> it's it's been it's been a while. That one's been managed. It's a really popular muskie fishery because um, as Andrew and Andrew's a good guy to be doing this, you know, muskie production here because he's he's kind of an avid muskie guy. That's good. So um, it's but it's a lake that people can go to and expect a, a sea muskie and if not catch one um, on a lot of their trips. So it's it's a really good fishery. You brought it up, sort of. We had a nasty winter, which I would guess you guys thought you'd see a lot of winter kill. We haven't seen a lot, have we? Well, we, we've seen winter kill to some extent, but when when we think about winter kills, a lot of people think it in black and white. They either think, well, it's a complete winter kill or it's not. And really, the the the, the fact of the matter is, is that most of the winter kills that we have nowadays in southern Minnesota um, are just partial. And that's really what we saw this year. We have, I know I have a list in front of me about 15 lakes that we really thought, based on our oxygen testing this winter, were going to be significant winter kills. And some of those were. But <clears throat> the fact of the matter is we went back out and did some test netting in a lot of these lakes, and almost all of them still have game fish species. Now, there might be certain species that get harder than others. Walleye seems to have got pretty hit pretty hard in like a lake like a lesion here. Um, but there's still crappies out there. There's still yellow perch. So um, there's still game fish in almost all the lakes. Um, they may have taken a hit. Their numbers may not be the same. Um, and there are some lakes that we are restocking, um, like Circle Lake over by uh, Faribault. We did we stocked that with bluegill and crappies already. Um, but most of the lakes we don't have to. Walleye, Northern Pike, we stock because those don't naturally produce well. But some of the other species, like the bluegills, the crappies, um, the largemouth bass, even to some extent, um, they take care of themselves. We really, I mean, as long as we have a handful of them out there, they're going to be fine. But back in the day, there was entire fish kills, right, on lakes? Yes, and um, the last, so I've been here since 2013, and we had a really substantial winter kill in the, the winter of 2013-14, so I guess I'm bad luck, but I started out that way. But we had we had several lakes that were complete winter kills that year. Uh, this is the worst winter. We've 
we've had a couple winters since then that have been kind of marginally bad. Not like this. But not like this. This has been the worst one in about 10 years. It's kind of like that 10-year pattern. So it's it's this one's been worse than others, but we we have not seen a complete kill. We we haven't seen it yet. Now some of the some of the real shallow lakes that we we're, we're going to stock with walleye no matter what happens, we're just going to stock it every year. We don't go out and test net those. We may have had some kills in some of those situations, maybe only bullheads left. But um so we don't test every lake, but the ones that are more significant, a little more stable that have the more broad um diverse fish species like, you know, like we talked about, those those didn't take a complete kill. None of them did. Well, that's good news. Right? Yeah. I mean, winter kill is not the worst thing. It's natural It's natural for southern Minnesota to go through these drought cycles and winter kill cycles, and a lot of times they're coupled together. And they kind of are our nature's reset button for our lakes, and they spring better habitat conditions. And then, of course, the fisheries that come after them can, can benefit from that. But um, we, we, we're pretty reactive in southern Minnesota. We have dynamic lakes. Um, we have to be reactive. You know, if nature throws its curveballs at us, and we got to figure out what to do and send all of our management plans to, to address these situations as they come up. So that's what we're that's what we're working on right now, Gordy. So what's going on the rest of the day for you, Andrew? You're still going to work on the eggs? Yeah, we'll be working on the eggs. We're actually going to pick up some musky eggs from uh, Lake Rebecca. That's the local local take for musky eggs um, up in the West Metro. Um, we'll be going up there uh, this afternoon to pick up some musky eggs. We're going to be running some minnow traps to feed some of the fish that we have out in the ponds. We have a couple ponds right now that have um, yearling muskies in them. Um, that's kind of a new new program to, to Waterville. Um, raise, we've overwintered some muskies this year, and we'll be raising them in the ponds throughout the year. So you didn't do this before? No, this was the first year that we've overwintered muskies. And so one of the things with the stocking program, you know, Craig had mentioned earlier with, with tracking the LMS strain of walleye is that as we do some of these stocking programs, we find out that either different life stages or maybe a different strain of fish isn't working as well. So, you know, we're finding, we're finding um, new life stages or new, new strains of fish that work well in, in situations. And yearling muskies is one of those things where we feel like we're getting a better return from these larger fish than we have been from the fingerling muskies. And the fingerling muskies is a, is a muskie that's just reared for one growing season, whereas a yearling, we get two growing seasons out of them. Obviously, the cost of that muskie is a little bit more, but it's offset. That cost is offset by the survival of that larger fish. So that's that's a new thing this year at, at Waterville that we're attempting to do. And being a musky guy, that must excite you quite a bit. Well, I think any time efficiency in a program is a good thing. It's it, you know, I mean, that's that's the thing as a as a manager um, that that we want to see is we want to improve the efficiency of a of a stocking. So that's that's the most important thing to me. But yeah, the benefit of that is hopefully that you know those muskies go a long ways towards the resource. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Craig, the open house again one week from today, and the hours are again? 1 to 3 uh, next Thursday, so I hope everybody can make it out. You got some activities you want to inform people about? Um, we, well, we're going to have a couple of kids' activities. We're going to have a staff meeting here at 1 o'clock and plan all that. But, oh, uh, that hasn't been planned. We're, we're still, we have kind of a concept, but we're going to have some free popcorn. So anybody wants to come out and get some popcorn, come on out. And that's on me. So um, that's my treat to our anglers and um, appreciation. Going to have some caviar or anything? Um, not caviar. I'm, I'm not a big fan. I've had it once. That's, that's the last time. Um, but, you know, maybe, maybe Ludafisk. <laughs> no. Well, I don't care. I like Ludafisk. Okay. Uh, sort of. <laughs> it's got to be prepared properly, right, Ludafisk? Yeah. 
You don't like caviar? Uh, not a big fan. Not a big fan. How about you, Andrew? Have you ever had caviar? I've never had caviar. I don't think I'd care to. No, I think I'll pass. No, for yeah, I think just, no, I mean, I work with them every day, Gordy. So yeah, no, that's why I asked. They're my babies, so no, I'll, uh, I'll let, them, let them be. Yeah. Well, you want them to hatch. That's right. <laughs> you know, you don't want to eat them before they hatch. Right. Absolutely. And, and Andrew, he's a hard worker. And, you know, he says, you know, we were joking earlier that uh, I need a vacation day after all the work that we've done with the governor's station open and everything. But, Andrew, he hasn't had a day off, what, in almost four weeks? Yeah, it's going to be a while yet. Sundays, too, huh? Yeah, we... So to all the anglers out there, we we Andrew especially he he works really hard for um, what we raise here at the hatchery and um, all the staff do here. We have we have a few hatchery staff, but um, just a shout out to Andrew and all the hard work he does too. You guys get to determine how much gets stocked into what lake, or is that from somewhere higher up? Well, we like to think we can determine all that, but sometimes we get to, you know kind of nudged in certain directions. No, in all honesty, we have we have individual lake management plans. Um, we work as a team to develop those. Um, we talk about the results and we monitor those, you know, with our lake surveys. And um, that's how we decide what gets stocked in what lakes. And that's how we decide what's going to happen if winter kill happens this year. Um, so those are all based on plans. And those plans get approved, of course, by our administration. So um, it's a, it's kind of a team effort. You must like it or you wouldn't be here so long. I've been here 10 years, and um, I, I don't plan on going anywhere anytime soon. I'm, you know, the hard part is, is I develop these relationships with our anglers, and it's it's it'd be hard to give that up. I think about that a lot. Yeah. So. Andrew, the governor earlier this week and lieutenant governor went to a hatchery in St. Paul, talked about the need for updating equipment. This is a nice facility, but you guys need some upgrades here, right? Yeah, so Waterville Hatchery has been in operation since 1953, and we haven't really had any real renovations or upgrades during that time. And so I think we're probably past due. It's been talked about since I've been here, and I know it was talked about before I was here that this facility needs a facelift. And, and I've been to St. Paul many times as well, and St. Paul's in the same situation. Um, they they definitely need They definitely need it as well. So hopefully... That those things come to fruition and, and we see some money gets thrown at the hatcheries in, in the state of Minnesota. I know the anglers are in support of it, so hopefully we see some of that. Well, we're talking about increasing fishing licenses, so that could partially pay for some of that, right? Potentially, yep. The year market for that. What were the conditions like in Iowa before you came here? Um, the hatcheries in Iowa, they've, they've actually received some uh, funding in recent years. I still, I still uh, coordinate with Iowa. Um, on, on production, on production matters. So I have good working relationship with the hatcheries in Iowa and, uh, they've, they've received some money in recent years to upgrade their facilities. Um, but you know, we just visited, uh, we just visited Spooner Fish Hatchery here in Wisconsin, uh, about a month ago and it was impressive. It was impressive, their facilities. So not to say that, you know, we'll receive that sort of funding but it would be nice to it would be nice to improve on some things that we currently have sure craig how many hatcheries are there in minnesota uh about 15 um that, they, they don't all operate the same as waterville does sure. a lot of the hatcheries are you know they'll they'll get walleye eggs in the spring they'll, they'll incubate those for about a month and then they they hatched out and then then they kind of are done um waterville operates almost year-round um really aggressively for about nine months of the year we have about 50 acres of drainable ponds on site we raise fish um we're raising fish inside the hatchery downstairs on dry diets our musky program relies on that so um we you know the hatchery here is a really critical one really um to the state and um so some of these 
will be in northern lakes? Some, Some of the, the fish we raise here, yeah, the muskie program statewide. So the fish we raise on this facility, they get distributed statewide. A lot of the walleyes, all the southern Minnesota. We kind of do that logistically for, you know, distance for traveling and things like that. So we kind of keep those, um, you know, those hatcheries incubating the eggs and hatching those out close to where they're going to be stocked. Um, so, you know, we, you know, if you go to other states, like Andrew talked about, they're, you know, they have these, they have these centralized kind of hatcheries and just very few of them. Um, Minnesota has been blessed with just a lot of natural resources, right? So we we're spread out and we have a lot more hatcheries. So, um, over the years, that's been kind of one of the problems or issues that have come up with the funding is that it's just, there's a lot of places to, that it needs the help and Waterville is one of them. Um, and most of the hatcheries probably need something. Um, but I think especially for Waterville, I started here in 2013. And one of the very first things I did was put together, put together a feasibility, um, proposal for doing engineering requisition uh, to try to figure out what our needs are. And um, I've been working on it for 10 years, and other people have been working on it for 10 years, and let's get this done, Minnesota. It's just time. Yeah. You hear that, folks? Iowa's doing better than Minnesota. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't say on. that. I didn't say that. <laughs> no offense, Andrew, but I just can't handle that. Iowa doing better than Minnesota. <laughs> thanks, Greg, for having us today. Well, thanks for coming out, Gord, anytime. Appreciate it very much, Andrew. It was nice meeting you, and thanks for for being on the air with us. No problem. Thanks for coming out. No problem. That concludes today's edition of AM Minnesota. Tomorrow I get to hit the road again. I'm going to Montgomery tomorrow. We'll be at the Rustic Farmer in downtown Montgomery. This weekend they're having their May Day celebration. There'll be Maypole dancing, Czech food, Czech music. It'll be a lot of fun. That's on Sunday. We'll get all the details tomorrow on AM Minnesota. Jerry, take it away. Thank you, Gordy. Very interesting to hear about the hatchery over there in Waterville. It'd be a nice day to be out fishing today, legally. I don't think the walleye opener is until next weekend, but I also think it's a nice day to be out planting corn and beans. Our current temperature, well, the forecast high today, 76 degrees. The low tonight, 48, back to 68 degrees tomorrow. Here's the national news from ABC right on KDHL.